the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is The Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Welcome to another episode of The Jenna Ellis Show. I am so excited to be talking about election integrity today. That is one of the key topics that so many of you continue to ask, and you're right to ask about it, because this is such an important issue to our nation, to our country, especially in the aftermath of the 2020 election, all of the irregularities, uh, all of the issues that we saw in that election, and then moving forward to the midterms. How are the states going to combat any sort of fraud or cheating? Those are good questions. And also we saw that last week, the Biden administration and the Democrats were trying to put forward this ridiculous ridiculous, quote-unquote, voting rights bill that uh, massively failed, which is excellent because the filibuster also uh, was held in place by Cinema and Mansion. Excellent thing. So I'm going to get to my guest, Ken Blackwell. You are not going to want to miss what he has to say about election integrity. But first, Legacy Precious Metals is the company that I trust to give you good and patient counsel for investing in your retirement. The Biden administration has caused a financial crisis, and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed, and when oil prices go up, not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. And when and we are already seeing record inflation. That's the last thing that we need. Our economy is in trouble, and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you may be vulnerable. So gold is one of the very best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your own gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com where you can download the free investor's guide. You can also go to my Facebook page, Jenna Ellis. I am a public figure on Facebook and I just posted yesterday a really great interview with the president of Legacy Precious Metals who is discussing why you need to start your retirement account even if you're in your your 20s or 30s. There is always a great time to protect your retirement and invest just like you want to protect your health over the long term. So go to Legacy Precious Metals at LegacyPMInvestments.com or call 866-528-1903. And joining me now is a very good friend who has done so much for the cause of conservatism over the last several decades and is now the chair of election integrity for AFPI, which is the America First Policy Institute. My good friend, Ken Blackwell, thanks so much for joining me. Jenna, it's great to be with you. 
Yeah, so we had a significant win last week for election integrity with the failure of the Democrats and the Biden administration's push for this so-called voting rights package. I think it's completely mislabeled. It's not about civil rights. It's not about voting rights. It's about a federal takeover of elections. And then they tried to also, uh, because the vote failed, they tried to also get rid of the filibuster in the Senate so that it could just pass with a majority vote. That also failed. So you're response to this? Well, first, it was kind of hypocritical of them to try to get rid of a tool that they used uh, very effectively to slow down uh, the Trump advancement of uh, his agenda. Uh, now that uh, they find that they were back on their heels, they wanted to do away with the tool. But, you know, we held the line and Cinema and Manchin uh, didn't flinch. And one, while that was surprising, it was also encouraging. Uh, that we still have patriots that uh, will do the right thing. Look, our election system uh, is going to be constantly under threat uh, because the left, the radical left, feels that they are in a losing position. You have a clown car driven by uh, a, a president that is cognitively deficient uh, and just off the wall from a policy standpoint. Uh, and, and, and as they have defeat after defeat, the only thing that they can do is try to change the structure of the game and the rules of the game. Uh, and we have to understand that that's a direct assault on one of the foundational pillars of our constitutional republic. Uh, our votes are our voice. Uh, these folks want to silence us. They want to move towards a highly centralized system that's run by the same clown car that has given us uh, an abandonment of our folks in Afghanistan, uh, open borders, uh, and crime-ridden streets in our major cities. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, Ken. And when we looked at Joe Biden's press conference as well uh, the same day last week on Wednesday, uh, it was just a total train wreck. It's obvious that he is not competent. And yet the left continues to push this ridiculous agenda for people who maybe haven't been following this quite as closely. They've just heard that uh, the Biden administration, the Democrats are trying to federalize elections. They're trying to change the rules because they know they can't win. What was it specifically about the Voting Rights Act that uh, you and AFPI and, and of course, you know, myself at the Election Integrity Alliance as well, uh, that found so problematic and truly false in the marketing of this bill? Contrary to what they're trying to do in terms of uh, bringing uh, our election system under the control of a radicalized federal government uh, and uh, off, the, off the fence, off the chain uh, Justice Department, uh, we know that the, the principle of subsidiarity of governing and running our elections at the precinct level, uh, where neighbors are working with neighbors, there's high uh, transparency, a good, a strong verification system, uh, as well as a tight chain of custody, uh, leaving it little opportunity uh, for the sort of nonsense that we saw, the sort of irregularities, anomalies, uh, and uh, anti-constitutional uh, actions that we saw in 2020. That's, that's what's at stake here. Will we maintain a system that while not perfect, it works and it has given us the most robust constitutional republic in all of human history. These guys tried to sell a narr narrative that the common sense 
reforms that are being passed and put in place by legislatures all across the country were Jim Crow 2.0. Well, Jenna, let me just tell you, you could, you, Biden wouldn't know Jim Crow if he poured it on him. You know, this guy has never been involved in the civil rights movement. He's a phony. He's a plagiarist. uh, And and don't, please don't get me started. (laughs) You know, (laughs) he was leading this attack on on our system uh, and on our voices by by trying to federalize, not only federalize the system, but put in place those, uh, those processes, those structures, those policies that were that were used under the guise of loosening, uh, making it easier for us to vote. Uh, what one of the things that we know is that those practices, those policies, also made it easier to cheat. Uh, so that's what we're doing. We're we're we have a stellar record of being on the right side of making it easy to vote. But as you and I know, one of the duties of citizenship is to take the necessary steps that are not burdensome to guarantee that voters are who they say that they are uh, and that we don't have a lot of puff and space in the chain of custody that makes it opportunistic uh, for those who would do evil to in fact corrupt our system. Yes, so well said. And it really uh, shouldn't have shocked us how the Democrats uh, want to ignore common sense regulations. They're so elitist that they don't want to abide by the constitutional system that is all about federalism and limited powers to the federal government and having the states constitutionally create their own election laws to make sure that they can ensure the safety and security and the accuracy of the ballot. And it was, it was though, unfortunately, shocking to me, and I, and I know to you too, that in the aftermath of the 2020 election, Joe Biden was out there saying every vote should count. And he never once put in that operative significant term, no, 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 every legal vote should count. And there is a wide difference between what the Democrats are wanting to do in terms of securing their own elections and uh, and compared to what the Constitution actually provides. And in his press conference last week, he basically said that if the Voting Rights Act doesn't pass, and I hate even using that term because that's not accurate, but if their if their overhaul of the vote doesn't happen, you know, then he's saying, well, then basically we won't ever have. Uh, you know, Democrats winning elections again. And he he asserted that he's not going to trust the accuracy of the vote if there's not a way for them to cheat. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I think what was also interesting was that they kept pounding the table, uh, but they could never answer, show us the evidence that voters had been suppressed, that in fact, uh, there had been disenfranchisement because the numbers just didn't, you know, indicate that that was the case. So they couldn't make the case. So as the lawyers say, they just pound the table. Uh, but you know what? Uh, we, we, we understand as engaged citizens, we understand the difference between noise and signals. And they were just ramping up the noise.
Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a great point, Ken, that they're trying to typify everything and characterize everything as voter suppression when they just don't have the facts or the data behind them. And they're the ones who are asking for vaccine passports to be implemented in cities all across the country. And last I checked, you actually have to have an ID to prove who you are to get the vaccine. And somehow that's fine. But now they want to say that it's voter suppression. If you have any sort of verification, that just doesn't make sense. It, 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 it really doesn't. And we, we caught them in their own nonsense too many times. You know, I, I have the, the, the great privilege of being a shareholder of the Cincinnati Reds. And so I went right on the offensive when the baseball commissioner uh, moved the All-Star game from Atlanta to Denver. I, I, I told him I wouldn't be silent. He couldn't hush me because I knew that he didn't know a damn thing about election integrity. And secondly, he, in fact, was the most hypocritical corporate leader that I had ever had the pleasure of working with. You know why? Because all you had to do is to compare the reforms in Georgia with the standing practices and policies in Colorado. And Colorado was more restrictive, you know. And so they moved a $110 million enterprise, the All-Star Game, from Atlanta, predominantly Black city, to Denver, about 10, 9 to 10% white, and then said they were on the side of empowering minorities. They were on the side of civil rights and voting rights. Hogwash. And we called them on it. We will continue to call them on it. Because, Jenna, let me just tell you, there are no intermissions in this fight. And we, in fact, the, the final bill this in this fight will, in fact, be the day after the election this November. They will try everything possible not only to change the system, tilt the playing field, or, or change the dimensions of the ring, they, in fact, will do anything. Uh, and they, and they will to, to motivate their base, and that is they will, in fact, say these common sense practices are racist. But you know what? Every time I check it, the majority of black folks, they get, they get it. They, in fact, don't have any problem with photo ID. They know that they want to get on an airplane. They, they can't take their utility bill and show it. They, in fact, have to show a photo ID. They want to take out a library book. So to, 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 to term that as racist, to try to tell black folks that that requirement is the same or going to a polling place like they did in the 50s and find a, a jar of jelly beans. And before you could vote, you had to tell them the exact number of jelly beans in that jar. To, for Biden to try to make us believe that, that the, the photo ID is the, the equivalent of the jar of jelly beans must mean that he thinks we're stuck on stupid and we're not. We aren't. And you raise a really interesting question, Ken, because looking at uh, the 2020 election and how Democrats are trying to criminalize even challenging results or challenging uh, any of the laws that were not followed and saying no one can question anything, even the candidate himself cannot uh, somehow file legal challenges or ask any questions on the accuracy of the vote. How do you think that's going to change for the Democrats' messaging in 2022 when they want to continue? 
contest the results of elections like they did in 2016. I mean, let's not forget that there were seven Congress members that objected on January 6th of 2017 to the certification of Trump states when it was Trump versus Hillary. So they're going to have to go back the other way. How are they going to get out of this mess? I don't think they're going to, I think, I think they're going to be, uh, stuck in this political quicksand because look at the end of the, the, the day, this, it comes down to their attack on the rule of law. We see it playing out in our cities when they are talking about defunding the police, uh, when they are saying we, 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 we had to let folks out of jail or not even put them in jail for committing crimes. Jenna, there's an old saying that I know my dad and my mom used in raising us and I've used in raising my, my family. My dad used to tell me, son, if you reward bad behavior, if you turn a blind eye to bad behavior, all you're going to get is more bad behavior. And so if in fact we reward cheating, if we turn a blind eye to cheating, what we're going to get is more cheating. We, in fact, are not going to tolerate it. These clowns cannot convert us from free citizens to subjects of the administrative state. It won't work. It won't stand. And we're fighting back. We're going to be in their grill every day. Good, good. Stand up, hold the line. So what happens next? I get the question all the time, where are we at on election integrity? Uh, a year has passed since uh, you know Joe Biden was inaugurated. And so where are we at with this? What is uh, AFPI uh, focused on and how can people participate? Well, we're, we're making sure that people understand the best practices on the 501c3 side. We have a 501c4 operation and let me just tell you what we're what we're doing is engaging people at the at the state, county, and precinct level. We are working with those folks who are, are putting people in precinct, uh, election work, working job, worker jobs, making sure that we have the transparency in the system. It is engagement. That's what worries them. That's why he had that Freudian slip in 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 his in his uh, press conference when he says, uh, it's about who's counting. He's daggone right, it's about who's counting. And we, in fact, are gonna make sure that it's a fair count and that we are engaged. Good, absolutely. And everyone needs to understand what are the options in their states? What are the laws in their state? How can they participate uh, in their state? So much because this is such a national focus, a lot of people and a lot of conservatives expected it to be from members of Congress that would help this. But they need to understand this is constitutionally a state and local level. And so you need to be engaged at the local level of your state. And Ken, in the last few minutes that I have with you, I want to shift gears back to the filibuster and uh, cinema and mansion holding the line and choosing country over party. I too applaud them for that. And to me, this was a really interesting um, example of why the Senate is such a different chamber than the House that does pass things by simple majority. And if we look at the composition and the original intent of why the Senate members until the 17th Amendment was ratified uh, to select senators by popular vote, senators were actually meant 
uh, to be chosen by the state legislature. So you had Congress members representing the people through the popular vote, and then senators were supposed to represent the state legislature. And so when you have the filibuster, that actually makes sense. And so a lot of people don't understand the dynamic in Congress. And so in, in your words, it help people understand why the filibuster is actually a really important tool in the Senate and in their process. And it's because, one, we have to maintain the decentralization of political power within our constitutional framework. Uh, and the, 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 the Senate, uh, in both of the structures that you just outlined, are sort of the saucer. You know, that, that they, they, in fact, allow the coffee to cool off a little bit, to, 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 to introduce the liberation uh, and, and compromise in, in, in the system. Uh, our system is not a majoritarian system. It's a constitutional republic. And it respects yeah. the voice of the minority. It doesn't say that ultimately uh, the broader consensus doesn't win, but it is after great deliberation, argumentation, uh, and interaction that you get more common sense. Uh, and you don't get yeah. the instant tyranny of the majority. Yeah, and, and you don't get this sort of tribalism. I mean, you mentioned you have to have deliberation, discussion, and compromise. I mean, those are things that it seems like don't go on in Washington at all anymore, but that's what our founders intended, and you are so right, Ken, that we have to maintain this understanding and educating uh, the American public that we are a constitutional republic. This isn't just a democracy. That's one of the leftist other talking points that, oh, this is so bad for democracy. This is trying to tear down democracy. Well, last time I checked, we have elements of democracy, but we're actually a constitutional republic and understanding it isn't just majority or mob rule. And that is incredibly important to the sanctity of our system and to making sure that this is actually a citizen-led country. Oh, absolutely. And I, I'll tie into that by saying, you know, we can't be gaslighted into believing that the Republicans are a minority party. They're a desperate minority. You know, when you start to look across the country, you know, and we don't regard middle America as flyover country like the coastal elites do, what we find is that Republicans control more state legislative chambers, more governorships, more county commission seats. Uh, we actually are the majority party, but within our system, we in fact allow and respect the independence of each of our 50 states. Uh, and it is through that respect for that decentralization of thought and that, and that difference of the laboratories of freedom among our 50 states that we in fact become uh, a, a robust uh, democracy uh, and we actually have a robust uh, uh, economy. It is this push towards the administrative state, the expanded of the welfare state, that we watch our cities are no longer fields of dreams, but killing fields. And what they want is not a, a robust constitutional republic where state legislatures uh, you know, give us the best interaction towards freedom and respect for the individuals at the community level, what they want is they want us to be subjects controlled by the administrative state. The administrative state 
which is fed by our tax dollars. So eloquently put, like the great statesman that you are. And uh, Ken Blackwell, I really appreciate your time and uh, your efforts and your patriotism and standing up for not only the truth, but also for our great constitutional republic. How can people follow you? You um, publish amazing op-eds so frequently. I share those as many times as you send them to me. I read them. They're awesome. Um, So where can people find you and also uh, the America First Policy Institute? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm at... Uh, KimBlackwell.com uh, at uh, Kim Blackwell uh, on Twitter and Getter. Uh, I have a Facebook page, uh, and I would you know we you can you can follow the America First uh, Policy Institute by going to a at a one uh, policy. Great, great. Well, thanks so much, and I look forward to speaking with you soon about the great work that uh, our coalitions here in D.C. are going to do together to continue to protect our great republics. Thanks so much. I enjoy fighting with, along your side, too, Jenna. God bless you. Thank you. God bless. All right. Well, 2022 is going to be a critical year for America. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, along with their nearly 2 million members. The fight to stop out-of-control spending in the president's Build Back Better scheme is far from over, and Congress is plotting more legislation that could hurt our seniors. The midterm elections will be a battle for freedom versus socialism. Unlike liberal groups, AMAC is America's conservative, action-oriented 50-plus organization fighting hard every day here in Washington and across the nation for our seniors. So I'm urging you to choose AMAC now. You will receive all of the great membership benefits, including AMAC discounts on hotels, travels, and restaurants, and your membership will support your conservative values. So go to amac.us forward slash Ellis. That's amac.us forward slash E-L-L-I-S to become an AMAC member now. I always enjoy speaking to my good friend Ken Blackwell, and he is right that we have so many fighters that are so proud to stand shoulder to shoulder and be in this effort together. And I saw him at the AFPI uh, meeting at Mar-a-Lago a couple of months ago, where, of course, President Trump was there, and we had a, a great time um, at dinner and you know, and after talking about election integrity and all of the great things that um, our friends at the America First Policy Institute are doing and all of our partners here in Washington and then also across the country. So continue to support AFPI. Please support the Election Integrity Alliance. I'm the chairwoman of the Election Integrity Alliance. We are a hub of allies that uh, bring together everyone who is focused on making sure that we have security and safety and confidence in our election results. And so we are going to continue in this fight moving forward. And of course, we will bring uh, any of the news to you. You can also go to americangreatnessfund.com forward slash election integrity alliance, and you can sign up for notifications there. Um, You'll get all of our news alerts, and you can also donate if you want to to that organization. It's a great organization where we have a lot of different projects and we are focused on making sure that we can help support and fund not only education, but also efforts for election integrity across the country. 
And the last thing I want to comment on that is really important, especially in light of the conversation with Ken Blackwell, is the importance of the filibuster and how that works depending on the issue that we're talking about. Because, of course, the response is, well, Republicans just like that the filibuster is still intact when it stops legislation that they don't prefer. But then the Democrats turn around and say that the filibuster needs to remain intact on things like, for example, President Trump's three Supreme Court nominations that went through without the 60 majority vote. So what is our response to that as conservatives? Because of course, we can't play both sides and we have to make sure that we are standing up firmly for the rule of law and that we understand that the process shouldn't be manipulated to our advantage and then stick it to the Democrats. Otherwise, we're just as bad as they are. So what is the response and what is the difference? The difference in my mind between the Supreme Court nominations and keeping the filibuster intact for legislation is the difference between the operation and the function of the Senate when it is viewing legislation as an Article One of the Constitution, Article One power, versus an Article Three power when we're talking about federal judicial nominations with the Senate's power of advice and consent. Those are two very different powers. Legislative authority goes to Congress as a whole. Obviously, we are a bicameral uh, legislature on the federal level and in the vast majority of the states as well. The bicameral system, having two houses, is always good to make sure that you have to uh, not only pass a bill out of one chamber, but then the exact same language has to pass out of the other chamber. And in the Senate, we have the filibuster so that exactly like what Ken Blackwell just said, we have that a discussion, that deliberation, that compromise that is actually a good thing so that you don't have the far extreme sects and segments on either side getting legislation through without having it more moderate and more uh, attuned to the will of the people, which is exactly the point of legislation. It also has to stay within the margins of the Constitution. So making sure that the filibuster is intact, even if that means that Republicans don't get everything that they want, that is a good thing. Justice Scalia, in uh, one of his... Uh, commentaries and, and speeches and testimony before Congress talked about our founding fathers putting the bicameral system and the separation of powers in place so that we could make sure to combat an excess of legislation. It's actually a good thing that it's very difficult to create new laws, especially on the federal level. We should not want it to be easy to change our law. Law has to be predictable. It has to uh, make sure that it is consistent. It has to abide by the U.S. Constitution. It has to stay within the contours and the margins of the Constitution. So the filibuster, while that is just a Senate rule, and of course, as we've seen, the Senate can change its own rules is an important element and a tool to make sure that the Senate isn't operating just off of a simple majority like the House. The two chambers were originally designed to be different. Unfortunately, with the 17th Amendment, that has changed, and now we do have the popular vote of senators. I think, and I am an advocate and have been for years, of the 17th Amendment being repealed. I think we need to go back to the original design of the U.S. Constitution for both chambers on the federal level and recognize that senators 
were originally supposed to be nominated and sent to Washington and selected by the state legislatures because the states need to have representation in Washington. What we're seeing now and what we've seen since the passage or the ratification rather of the 17th Amendment is that now because of the popular vote of senators, they don't even pay attention to the state legislatures. There's really no uh, coordination and communication in the sense that our original constitutional structure was designed because senators now have to go and they have to campaign and get the popular vote of states. That also changes their priorities when they look at their campaigning structure and what their special interests are designed to do. They are not representing the will of their state legislatures at all in Congress. And we're also seeing how states now are beholden to special interest groups and federal dollars in a way that was never originally designed. There are so many problems and manipulation of the structure that actually need to go back to the original intent. Of course, Article 5 of the Constitution does allow for ratification of new amendments. We can change our constitutional structure. We can take powers and put them in different places. You know, we can do a lot of things with the design of our system, but we need to make sure that the goal always stays the same, which is to have a government of the people, by the people, for the people. We, the people, get to select who we put in office. We need to make sure that our rights are protected, that we have a legitimate government that is functional according to that ultimate goal. And having some of these different protections in place, like our federalist system designed uh, was designed to have senators reflect and champion the will of the state legislatures, is actually a really good idea. So the 17th Amendment, in my mind, definitely needs to be repealed. And there are some efforts on that. Of course, that's not, you know, the fire that everybody's fighting right away. But that's still an important conversation to have. And so when we look at the filibuster and the main point that I want you to take away from this, the filibuster, when we're talking about legislative authority, is an incredibly important tool. And I would not support removing that from the Senate, even if it meant that a piece of legislation that I champion uh, is going to fail because of the filibuster. Well, that just means we need to do a better job of deliberation, of selecting who's in office, and of compromise and making sure that we're actually doing the business of governing. But when it comes to Article 3, and when it comes to advice and consent of the Senate, I do think the filibuster is a useful tool, and I'm not opposed to having the 60-vote minimum threshold when it comes to nominations and also approval of federal uh, judicial officers. But that is a very different contemplation of the power of the Senate to advise and consent for federal judicial nominations than when they're contemplating legislation. Two different articles, two different powers, two completely different contemplations. The House has absolutely nothing to do with advice and consent of the federal judiciary. Why did our founders give that power to the Senate rather than the House or rather to a bicameral legislature? Because it is not a legislative function. The Senate was, again, supposed to reflect the will of the state legislatures. And having federal judges and the U.S. Supreme Court our founders knew would greatly impact and influence the states. So it should be the will of the state legislatures basically convening in their representatives in Congress, in the Senate, to then deliberate and provide their advice 
to uh, the president on his nomination and whether or not they consent. That consent mechanism was supposed to reflect the will of the state legislatures. So if they want to do that by a simple majority of the state legislatures, uh, which now, of course, it is the popular vote of the Senate, they want to do it like that, that is of course, permissible, it's constitutional, whether or not it's a good idea is dependent on how we look at the federal judiciary and whether or not the Senate is actually reflecting its obligation and the design of what it was supposed to do under Article 3. So I don't think that we can compare the filibuster as a process element when we're dealing with the federal judiciary compared to when we're dealing with legislation. So if the Senate does want to go back and they say, you know what, looking at uh, the justices that President Trump was able to put on the court, we do think that this should be a 60-vote majority. We changed it. Now we want to re-implement it. We can have that discussion and deliberation. Or if we want to continue to have the, the so-called nuclear option and only pass uh, federal judicial nominations or Supreme Court justices by a simple majority vote, confined and contained within the structure of the Senate's advice and consent is a different deliberation and contemplation. And I'm not opposed to a 51 majority threshold number, or of course, if uh, the vice president acting as president of the Senate breaks that tie. Um, So I think we as conservatives need to always go back to the original design of the Constitution, the original intent, and we can't allow very simple nonsensical arguments to influence how we respond to elements like the filibuster. Legislation and Article 1, federal judicial nominations, Article 3, two completely, completely separate scenarios. Before I go, I also want to talk about another great American who is the sponsor of this podcast, and that, of course, is my good friend Mike Lindell. He has been canceled out of so many box stores for simply standing up for his own political opinion and disagree or not, uh, or support him or not, It is a fundamental right of every American to be able to voice their opinion, and that absolutely includes politics. That absolutely includes uh, issues that are central to our culture. That includes faith. Uh, Mike is such a very sincere Christian, and I am proud to consider him a friend, and he is, of course, a friend of this show. So right now, there is a special on MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials. Get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including a great towel set, which is a six-piece set it includes two bath, two hand towels, two washcloths, made in the USA, regularly $109.99, now just $39.99, but you have to use the promo code Jenna. That's J-E-N-N-A. That tells Mike that you listen to this show. You're happy that he is uh, a sponsor of this show and you will get great, great discounts, but use the promo code Jenna. That's J-E-N-N-A either at MyPillow.com or call 1-800-564-8475 and use the promo code Jenna. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.